Now, last week, we talked about Paul's conversion. And we talked about when Paul was on the road to Damascus and Jesus appears to Paul. Paul was blinded. Jesus sent Paul into Damascus and said, you just sit and wait. And for three days, Paul fasts from food and drink. During that time that Paul's waiting, Paul has been told by Jesus that a man named Ananias is going to come to him. And that's what Paul's waiting on. Ananias, we're told, is a devout Jew. A devout Jewish believer in Christ. And Ananias is going about his daily walk. And while he's going about his life, his perspective gets expanded. When God comes to him and says... Go find Paul. Lay your hands on Paul. Paul is my chosen instrument. Ananias says, I've heard about him. This is the guy that's here to arrest us and to take us off. This is the persecutor of the church. And God says to him, yes, but I am going to be showing Paul. Paul is now in the future going to be seeing by his daily life, how Paul's not going to be persecuting those who call upon my name, but rather, Paul's going to see how Paul himself will be suffering, be persecuted because of the sake of my name. So that's what Ananias got from the Lord. Ananias goes to Paul. Ananias lays hands on Paul. The scales fall from Paul's eyes. Paul arises, goes and is baptized. And then Paul eats and drinks. And Paul begins his ministry for the Lord. Now, how accurate was God when God told Paul, I'll show, I mean, when God told Ananias, I'll show Paul how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Well, he was pretty accurate. If we fast forward about 20 years or so, we'll find Paul writing a letter to the Corinthian church that we call 2 Corinthians. And somewhere in the mid-50s, Paul wrote this letter. And as Paul writes it, Paul has a chance to tell the Corinthians about how much Paul has suffered for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Christ, for the sake of God. Here's what Paul says. He says, I've received 39 lashes five different times. Those are the lashes where they'd strap Paul between two poles at the synagogue. And as they strapped Paul, they do it in a way where Paul's bent over. And they would take the whip and they would tear him apart. Paul says, not only have I suffered 39 lashes five times, but I've been beaten with rods on three separate occasions. This is the kind of thing that you remember. You ask me how many times I got spanked as a kid. I don't know. Okay? I mean, nothing personal, Mom. It was never that hard. <laughs> I'm sure if Mom or Dad had really taken it to me, it'd stick in my memory. Paul has very clear memories. I mean, he's reciting this stuff off a list. 39 lashes five times. Beaten with rods three times. I've been stoned, he says. That's not like those of you who grew up in the 60s, okay? <laughs> 
He's talking about people chunking rocks at him, all right? That's not how he endured the beatings, okay? He says, uh, uh, I have been stoned. I've been shipwrecked three times. I've made countless journeys in danger with robbers, thieves, treachery on rivers, trying to cross rivers. I've endured more suffering in the last 20 years than anybody else I know, he basically says, on the sake of the gospel. Now, the title of this lesson is Paul's Strengths and Weaknesses. Here's the uh, issue. What does Paul's sufferings have to do with Paul's strengths and his weaknesses? Why would I take a class that talks about Paul's strengths and weaknesses and start talking about how he suffered? Let me ask you something. If I were asking you individually right now, what are your strengths and your weaknesses? I figure in your brain you could come up with a pretty good list of them. What are your strengths and your weaknesses? Well, you know, I, I, I've got uh, some strengths. My main one is Becky, <laughs> my wife, mom, my family, my grandmother, our five wonderful children. My friends are a great strength in my life. Lewis, Stephen. I mean, I can go down the row and call all of you out. Okay, I've got some wonderful strengths. I've got some weaknesses. Oh, I got lots of weaknesses. I can sit there and list them, but I, I, I want you to—I don't want you to think about mine. They're, they're pretty obvious anyway. I want you to think about your own, because I want to put a little different slant on it. So here's what we're doing. This is an exercise. Take thirty seconds. Think about your strengths and your weaknesses. What are they? When you think you've got it in your head, lift your hand up so I know I can move on. Hey, Dr. Bob and Kelly. See, he's one of my strengths. She's one of his. In fact, without her, he's like... <laughs> you got him? You got a strength and weakness in your head? With something? You got something? Okay, now put it on the back shelf and let's talk about Paul for a while. We find our answers to Paul's strengths and weaknesses... And some problems he was suffering at Corinth. Corinth is a church in Greece that Paul founded. Paul founded it in the sense that, I mean, it's God's hand, it's God's mission, but Paul was God's tool. Paul goes to Corinth, and through Paul, God is able to bring about change in the lives and hearts of a number of people who embrace the Christian faith and Jesus as their Savior. And so, you've got Paul starting this church. Now, Paul starts the church, but Paul's kind of a, a rambling guy. Okay, He gets his thing going, and God calls him to move somewhere else, and he goes somewhere else. i got a couple of friends who've come with me this morning who are Latter-day Saints. And I know at least one, uh, I don't know about Don, but I would assume Don, but Dan, you've got some kids who've gone on the two-year mission that Mormons go on. Um, I think generally a lot of missionaries, I know a lot of missionaries within our group, they find a place and that's sort of where they, they work. Paul wasn't that kind of a missionary. 
Paul was a missionary who was a rambling one. He would go from place to place to place. And we'll sort through that as we look at his missionary journeys. But Paul goes through these different missionary journeys. And one of the places he establishes is Corinth. Now, after Paul establishes the church at Corinth, Paul moves on. And he keeps up with letters. We know not only Paul wrote to the Corinthians, but we know the Corinthians were writing to Paul. But you know what happened? Some people came into the Corinthian church. And the people who came in, in essence, tried to, if not take it over, at least bend it to their will. These were people who claimed to be super apostles. Okay? Hey, I put that together. That was, that's, that's, I was kind of proud of that, which is interesting because this is a lesson on humility. Um, but uh, I couldn't decide if the, the face or the t-shirt was a better example of arrogance, so I just put them both together. Some folks come into Corinth and they say, yeah, Paul's an okay apostle. But Paul, you know how he's always telling you he's the chief of sinners and the least of the apostles? That's true. We're super apostles. We're apostles on steroids. We are. We're we're on a whole different level. And Paul was wonderful. We sent the foot soldiers out first. And Paul started this nice little church. And y'all got his little milk toast stuff. But we're here to give you the meat. We're here to take you to a new level. We're here to teach you the really mature points of God and the gospel. Paul, bless his heart, was doing the best he could, being a low little apostle. And these folks would say, you know, we've had all... And they'd lay out their credentials and they were just so strong, it looked like. And it left some of the Corinthians really wondering about, you know, gee, was, I guess that... You know, this is the next step. I guess Paul was just a beginner. You know, I had a really nice teacher in first grade, but algebra's algebra, and I needed, the, you know, Mr. Pitts to teach me that. So that's the situation that exists. Now, Paul is responding to that in the letter of 2 Corinthians. And when Paul's responding to that situation... Paul says, these false apostles have been seeking to lead you astray, Corinthians, astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. It's not, oh gee, I taught you the baby food and now they're bringing meat. That's not it at all, Paul says. I taught you something that's pure and sincere and they're taking you an entirely different direction to something that's impure and corrupt. And within the framework of this, Paul says, the last thing I would ever want to do is talk about me. What's that song? It's all about you, Jesus. Okay, well, we jokingly sometimes sing it's all about me and around our house when one of us seems to be a little bit too concerned with ourselves. That's a polite way we have of letting the other one know it. Paul says, look, I don't like to brag. It's not right. Humility is a virtue. But you really leave me no choice. When you hitch your train on this or your car on this guy's wagon. That's not a good expression. When you, uh, when you follow these yahoos, we'll say it that way. 
you leave me no choice but to bolster my credentials and let me know who, let you know who I really am. And so I want to give you now, within the flow of this, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to work through 10 verses, okay? It's a lot to follow. I'm going to put them up on the screens, and let's look through them verse by verse. Paul says, though there is nothing to be gained by it, I'm going to talk about visions and revelations of the Lord. Evidently, these super apostles had said, yes, I've had a vision and the visions told me Paul is, is a, he's a weak apostle. He's got a small message. He's a small man with a small message. I'm a big guy. I got the big song. Listen to me sing. And, and Paul, Paul says, look, there's nothing to be gained by this. But I'm going to talk about visions and revelations. You want to talk about them? I'll talk about them. Here it is. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Now, in Jewish rabbinical thought at the time, and it comes from some Old Testament passages ultimately that I've referenced in your lesson, the third heaven was the, the, the highest level, if you will, of heaven. It's, it's the exalted place where God sits enthroned. Paul says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. This man was caught up into paradise. And he heard things. Things that cannot be told. The Greek there is, Paul's got a little pun, an oxymoron. You know, oxymorons like uh, jumbo shrimp or pretty ugly or, you know, two words that just don't fit together that go together somehow. His is um, unutterable utterances. You know, I heard things that you can't hear. I heard words that can't be words. I heard things that can't be said, but I heard them. He says, he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I'll boast. By the way, this man is Paul. But Paul's not even going to say, oh, you want visions and revelations? I had them. Let me tell you about the one I had 14 years ago. I'm caught up into the highest of the heavens in the very presence of God. God calls me into His throne room. I don't even know if I was in my body or out of my body. But I'm there in front of God. And I'm hearing things that I can't say. That's what happened. But Paul, in his humility, won't even lay it out that way. He'll put it in third person. He says, on behalf of this man, I'll boast. I'm not going to do it on my own behalf. I'm not going to say, hey, let me tell you what happened to me. I'll put it in third person and I'll boast. The only way I'm going to personalize it is I'm going to tell you about the weaknesses that came out of it. That I'll personalize. I'm not going to personalize the incredible blessing and, and, and studly thing that happened when God calls me into his presence. I'll keep that third person. But let me personalize the weakness. If I wish to boast, I would not be a fool because I'd be telling you the truth. I mean, oh, hey, is it boasting if it's true? You all remember the TV show? <laughs> I say that I'm looking out at a range of people that weren't even remotely born for this. But some of the older folks out there, Mike, you remember 
Notice, grandmother, I did not include you in that group of older folks. You're one of the young ones. The real McCoy, remember that? You remember the guy would always say, no brag, just fact. Paul says, hey, I mean, technically it's not, I'm not going to boast. Even though it's factual, I could just say, I'm not bragging here. I'm just telling you the facts. He says, I'm not going to do that. I'll refrain from speaking it so that no one may speak more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. Look at what Paul says. After I had this experience, here's where Paul will personalize it. The weakness. He says, so to keep from being too elated by the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. A thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times, Paul says, three times I pleaded with the Lord. I, and and the Greek there is, I begged. It wasn't just, uh, God, please remove this thorn. I mean, it was tearful, imploring. I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. I begged God for it to leave me. But God's answer was not to remove it. God's answer was, quote, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect or mature, is another translation of that word, or complete in weakness. Paul says, therefore... I will boast all the more gladly, not of the studly things I've done. I'll boast of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Because for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses. I'm content with insults. I'm content with hardships. I'm content with persecutions. I'm content with calamities. He says, because when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. That's when God's working. That's very profound. We're talking about strengths and weaknesses of Paul's. Paul's strengths, Paul's strengths was Paul's weakness. Because, oh, Paul could say, oh, I had visions and I had revelations and I'm in the highest of heavens and mine are so far beyond what those super false apostles claimed. But he says, I'm not going to boast about all of that. I'll put that in the third person. I'll just talk about a man I know who did it. Lest you have any doubt, I'll date it. I'll tell you that I heard things that I can't describe, which means no one else heard them because he couldn't have described them to me. You know, I'll make it clear it's me, but I'm not going to boast in that. I'll put that third person. I'll boast in the weakness. I got a thorn in the flesh. I got a messenger from Satan that was continually harassing me. The word that's translated harass is the boxer who pummels someone. He's just pummeling me. He's just beating me up. This messenger from Satan, this thorn in the flesh, I got it so I wouldn't be proud. And I tried to get rid of it. And I asked God to take it away. I begged Him. I implored Him time after time after time again. And all I got from God was, 
My grace is sufficient. You rest in my grace and you're going to be okay. And Paul says, that I'll boast about. You want boasting? I'll boast. I'm going to boast that I'm so weak that I need God. The implication, of course, being if the super apostles aren't weak enough to need God, they probably don't have him. You know, one of the most um, outrageous and non-biblical claims that I know is this phrase, God helps those who help themselves. You heard that? I, I, I know God. He helps the helpless. And he leaves the rest to help themselves. And that's why Paul said, oh, these super apostles want to brag. That's fine. My bragging is going to be limited to where I'm weak and rely on God. Because it's God's grace that, that works. Now, here's the question. What was Paul's thorn? I want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. Don't you want to know? Oh, so I, I get my Greek out and I remember that degree mom and dad paid so much money for me to get in Greek and I'm reading it and I'm trying to understand it. And I look at the Greek. Does the Greek help? Well, let me tell you what the Greek says. The Greek word scolops is the word for a, a thorn. And it means a thorn or a splinter. It means, you know, something that's stuck that won't come out very easily. Well, all right. That's thorn. How about in the flesh? Well, in the flesh, Paul's using the word sarki. Sarkos is the, the root. And, and what it, it means is flesh, body. Yeah, but Paul uses it all the time to talk about just the corrupt human nature. That sinfulness that's in us that we can't seem to flee from. That misdirection that always points the wrong way. That we seem to follow in spite of our best intentions at times. So the Greek doesn't really help us. So it's, if you want to do something absolutely fun, sit down sometime with some, some lists of different things that people have written as being what Paul's thorn in the flesh is. Because there's all sorts of theories. There's the whole set of physical things. Okay? Some people say it's got to be headaches. Paul had migraines, big migraine problem. This was the view of some of the earliest church writers. In the 300s, we've got some writers to this effect, and I've referenced them in the materials, written materials. In addition to headaches, some other folks say, no, it must be his eyesight. Because Paul says in the Galatian letter that they uh, saw him with his infirmities, they would have plucked out their eyes and given them to him in Galatians 4. Galatians 6, Paul says, see with what large letters I write this in my hand. So maybe Paul had eyesight problems and that was it. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I don't know. Um, other folks say, nah, it was malaria. Because Paul talks about how he had to go this certain route with the gospel because of something that happened to him. And the route is a mountain route, which would have taken him out of the swampy lowlands. And the treatment at the time for malaria was higher elevation. So some scholars say it's malaria. Some say, no, it must be epilepsy because he talks about 
how how his appearance and uh, was was not only unimpressive but but how some folks made fun of his weakness and that's been found in some old literature to reference epilepsy some people say no it must be a speech impediment because he says i didn't come to you with eloquent words of rhetoric when he talks to another uh, uh another time to the corinthians in fact some say no it was malta fever which is a variation of the malaria aspect there are lots of more physical problems that folks point to. I want to set the physical aside and tell you a lot of people say, no, this isn't a physical problem. Paul would have no trouble telling them, here's my physical problem. In fact, the people would probably already know it. Paul wouldn't talk in such a mystery way. That it's got to be something spiritual. That it's got to be some pang of conscience over his former life. That it's got to be you know, Paul goes to these synagogues and he finds somebody and he's trying to talk to them about Jesus. And then they say all of a sudden, oh yeah, you're the one who had my brother arrested. Or you're the one who killed Stephen. You're the... And so it's this, this conscience or this, this constant brush up. And, 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 and some folks say that. Some folks say, no, Paul's trapped in a sin. A lot of folks say a sexual sin. But there's some type of sin that Paul's trapped in that he just can't seem to get out of. And he's begged God on three different occasions to please, please, please take it from him. But at least on three different occasions, he seems to fall back in. He seems to have this problem. And it's one that he can't figure his way out of. And it's one where ultimately he just has to rest that God's grace will be sufficient for him. And folks see these as things that would keep Paul from bragging about who he was in God. Others say, no, it's got to be some other type of spiritual problem. And there's a whole litany of lists. Some say it's just the circumstances. It's the fact he's getting persecuted all the time. It's the calamities. It's the insults. It's all of the different things that have gone with the territory of what Paul was doing. It's all of these hardships he had. It's uh, Paul's need to work because Paul didn't have enough money to support himself. And so he's a tent maker. Uh, some say, no, it's the opponents that are following Paul from place to to place and uh, disrupting his ministry and his work and his life. You want me to tell you what I think? You know, that's a dangerous question. What if all of y'all in unison went, no? <laughs> so, okay, well, let's get that slide. Here's a suggestion. I think Paul leaves it ambiguous on purpose. Paul has no trouble being specific. The chapter earlier, he doesn't say, let me tell you, I've had plenty of sufferings. He lays it out there. He says, you know, 40 minus 1 lashes five times, shipwrecked three times, you know, beaten with rods three times. I've been stoned. I've, you know, he, he has no trouble being specific when he wants to. Paul's chosen not to be specific here. And God's at work in Paul as Paul's writing this. So not only does Paul choose not to be specific, but God chooses not to be specific here. And I think the reason why is Paul's concerned with the principle, not the particulars. If Paul sits there and he says, here's what it is that was my thorn in the flesh, it allows all of us to say, oh, I don't have that problem. And we can skip on by. Yeah, bless his heart. Yes, Paul was human after all. 
No, Paul's not worried about the particular. If you have this particular thorn, it might be a messenger from Satan that God is using to keep you from being elevated beyond what you really are. Paul's concerned with the principle that we understand that whatever our weakness is, whatever our suffering is, whatever we're going through, if God doesn't bring us immediate deliverance from it, we still know that God is going to give us the strength to walk through it. And that His strength will be made perfect, complete in our weakness. Now, let's go back to where we started class. What does Paul's suffering have to do with his strengths and his weaknesses? That was where we started. And the answer is found in the quote. God's grace is sufficient. And it always is. The work of Christ is always sufficient for our sins. God's grace is always sufficient for our life. And this is why Paul says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because that's when God's at work. There is no greater testimony to the strength of God than, than my weakness and what he does through that. So, points for home. Three of them. Point number one. The true marks, the true marks, doesn't show up well on the sides, but it does on the back. The true marks of leadership and authority are Humble acts of service. The true marks of leadership and authority. You want to know who the true apostles were, Paul says? It's not going to be the one who's sitting there bragging on themselves. Look for the one that in humility is serving you. Because after all, Paul says he is a Christian. We are Christians. We are followers of Christ. We are to be Christ-like. And it's Christ who, before he goes to the cross, takes a bowl and takes water and washes his disciples' feet. The Lord Jesus washes the feet of these ignorant men that don't have a clue of what's going on at that point in all candor. And he does it, and then he says, I've given you an example that you also should do just as I've done for you. And that's what it is. Point for home number two. Everybody has a thorn. I put an S up there because I got a couple of them. I ask you to list your strengths and your weaknesses. For a lot of us, those weaknesses are easier to list than the strengths. I don't have trouble thinking of mine. I don't have any trouble. We all have a thorn. Oh, it may be a family member that just is absolutely lost. It may be uh, uh, a sin that you just can't seem to conquer. You've laid it in front of God and asked for him to conquer it, and he won't conquer it. And you can't find out how. You just feel trapped. It may be a relationship. It may be a, um, financial pressures. It, it may be a, um, a physical illness. Uh, the older I get, the more I find my body has a tendency to break down. It's this, 
young people, this is why they say youth is wasted on the young. You don't realize till it's too late that, holy smoke, my body breaks down. I wish I could go back and change some of these things. I don't know what it is, but everybody has a thorn. If it's physical in your life, then it's physical. If it's spiritual or emotional or mental, then it's that. If it's the circumstances that life has dealt you, whatever it may be, I do know this. If you entrust your soul to a faithful creator and do good with your life, God's strength will be made perfect in your weakness. Augustine, Augustine said, this is the difference between the faithful and the heathen. When the rain falls down, the faithful have a secure foundation and we stand by the grace of God, but we stand. In the midst of storms that would wash other people away, that's the foundation. And that's what we have. I can think of one lady in this church who's just had her share in this class of, of just almost seems radically unfair of, of problems and issues. But she's in here every Sunday. And she's leaning on Jesus Christ. And it's an inspiration to me. And it should be to all of us. Last point. Humility. Oh, that's a tough, 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 tough thing. It's a tough thing. Peter who says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians, this same letter. If you're going to boast, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Uh, Download off iTunes, John Michael Talbot's song, May I Never Boast in Anything But the Cross of the Lord. It's an incredible song. If we had time, I'd play it for you, but we don't. I just urge you, Find humility because humility comes, true humility. This isn't the kind that writes the book, Humility and How I Achieved It. True humility. True humility comes when you see God for who he is and Jesus for what he's done because that puts all of us into perspective and nobody's got any reason for a big head. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to teach this class. I thank you for the fellowship and friendship and the, the help that Stephen's been this week, not only in, in teaching, but the help that Stephen's been in, in uh, helping me prepare this lesson. Thank you for all these folks in here, their love and devotion to you. I pray that you will bless them, that they will all find your grace sufficient for their lives. Through Jesus Christ, amen.